Exodus chapter 11, we have a, quite a bit of reading, <coughs> so we've asked some helpers, and we'll start with Exodus chapter 11 and verse 1, and each reader will follow, so follow along. Now the Lord said to Moses, one more plague I will bring on Pharaoh and on Egypt. After that, he will let you go from here. When he lets you go, he will surely drive you out from here completely. Speak now in the hearing of the people that each man ask from his neighbor and each woman from her neighbor for articles of silver and articles of gold. The Lord gave the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians. Furthermore, the man Moses himself was greatly esteemed in the land of Egypt, both in the sight of Pharaoh's servants and in the sight of the people. Moses said, Thus says the Lord, About midnight I am going out into the midst of Egypt. And all the firstborn in the land of Egypt shall die. From the firstborn of, of the Pharaoh who sits on his throne, even to the firstborn of the slave girl who is behind the millstone, all the firstborn of the cattle as well. Moreover, there shall be a great cry in all the land of Egypt, such as there has not been before and such as shall never be again. But against any of the sons of Israel, a dog shall not even bark, whether against man or beast, that you may understand how the Lord makes a distinction between Egypt and Israel. All these your servants will come down to me and bow themselves before me, saying, Go out, you and all the people who follow you, and after that I will go out. And he went out from Pharaoh in hot anger. Then the Lord said to Moses, Pharaoh will not listen to you, so that my wonders will be multiplied in the land of Egypt. Moses and Aaron performed all these wonders before Pharaoh. Yet the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart, and he did not let the sons of Israel go out of his land. And I'll read Exodus 12, 1 through 13. And the Lord spake unto Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, saying, This month shall be unto you the beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year to you. Speak ye unto all the congregation of Israel, saying, In the tenth day of this month they shall take to them every man a lamb, according to the house of their fathers, a lamb for an house. And if the household be too little for the lamb, let him and his neighbor next unto his house take it according to the number of the souls. Every man according to his eating shall make your count for the lamb. Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male of the first year. You shall take it from out the sheep or from the goats, and ye shall keep it until the fourteenth day of the same month, and the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it in the evening. And they shall take of the blood and strike it on the two side posts on the upper door posts of the house, wherein they shall eat it. And they shall eat the flesh in that night, roast with fire and unleavened bread, and with bitter herbs they shall eat it. Eat not of it raw, nor sodden at all with water, but roast in the fire, his head with his legs, and with the pertinence thereof. And ye shall let nothing of it remain until the morning, and that which remaineth of it until the morning ye shall burn with fire. And thus shall ye eat it, with your loins girded, your shoes on your feet, and your staff in your hand, and ye shall eat it in haste, it is the Lord's Passover. For I will pass through the land of Egypt this night, and will smite all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, 
and against all the goods of Egypt I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. And the blood shall be to you for a token upon the houses where ye are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And the plague shall not be upon you to destroy you when I smite the land of Egypt. Exodus 14. So this day shall be to you a memorial. You shall keep it as a feast to the Lord throughout your generations. You shall keep it as a feast by an everlasting ordinance. Seven days you shall eat an unleavened bread. On the first day you shall remove the leaven from your houses. For whoever eats leavened bread from the first day until the seventh day, that person shall be cut off from Israel. On the first day there shall be a holy convocation. On the seventh day there shall be a a holy convocation for you. No manner of work shall be done on them, but that which everyone must eat, that only may be prepared by you. So you shall observe the feast of the unleavened bread, for on this same day I will have brought your armies out of the land of Egypt. Therefore you shall observe this day throughout your generations as an everlasting ordinance. In the first month on the fourteenth day of the month at evening, you shall eat unleavened bread until the twenty-first day of the month at evening. For seven days no leaven shall be found in your houses, since whoever eats what is leavened, that same person shall be cut off from the congregation of Israel. Whoever he is a stranger or a native of the land, you shall eat nothing leavened in all the all your dwellings. You shall eat unleavened bread. Then Moses called for all the elders of Israel and said to them, Pick out and take lambs of yourself according to your families and kill the Passover lamb. Verse 22, You shall take a bunch of hyssop and dip it in the blood which is in the basin and apply some of the blood that is in the basin to the lintel and to the two doorposts. And none of you shall go outside the door of his house until morning. For the Lord will pass through to smite the Egyptians. And when he sees the blood on the lintel and on the two doorposts, the Lord will pass over the door and will not allow the destroyer to come into your house to smite you. And you shall observe this event as an ordinance for you and your children forever. When you enter the land which the Lord will give you, he has promised you will observe this right. And when your children say to you, what does this right mean to you? You shall say, it is a Passover sacrifice to the Lord who has passed over the houses of the sons of Israel in Egypt when he smote the Egyptians, but spread, but spared our homes and the people bowed low and worshiped. Then the sons of Israel went and did so, just as the Lord had commanded Moses and Aaron, so they did. Exodus chapter 12, reading in verse 29. Now it came about at midnight that the Lord struck all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, from the firstborn of Pharaoh who sat on his throne to the firstborn of the captive who was in the dungeon, and all the firstborn of cattle. Pharaoh rose in the night, he and all his servants and all the Egyptians, and there was a great cry in Egypt. For there was no one, no home, 
where there was someone dead. Then he called for Moses and Aaron at night and said, Rise up, get out from among my people, both you and the sons of Israel, and go worship the Lord as you have said. Take both your flocks and your herds as you have said, and go and bless me as well. The Egyptians urged the people to send them out of the land in haste, for they said, We shall all be dead. So the people took their dough before it was leavened with their netting bowls, kneading bowls, bound up in the clothes on their shoulders. Now the sons of Israel had done according to the word of Moses, for they had requested from the Egyptians articles of silver and articles of gold and clothing. And the Lord had given the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians, so that they let them have their request. Thus they plundered the Egyptians. Okay, so before we actually get to Passover, or the lesson on the Passover, I thought we just might take a few minutes, less than a few minutes, and just look at an overview of the Exodus. Now this is elementary to most of us, but I think it's worthwhile to get it into our minds. At the Exodus of the children of Israel, and you know, you might want to say, what in the world does this have to do with me? Well, I think we'll see as we move along. But the Exodus is all about exiting Egypt. The children of Israel were slaves there. The Exodus, the exit, is projected in chapter 1 through 4. You remember that the cry of the children of Israel came up to the ears of the Lord and he called Moses to be the deliverer. Remember chapter 3. Moses, uh, you know, while earlier chapter 2, he tried to be a deliverer, but it failed. And then the Lord called him in, in Exodus chapter 3 in the burning bush. And it was projected there that God would use Moses to lead him, to take him and to lead the children of Israel out of the land of Egypt. And then it was obstructed. The exodus out of Egypt was obstructed. You remember Pharaoh. He stood up in Exodus chapter 5 and he said, Who is the Lord that I should obey, the, that I should obey his voice? You know, there's many pharaohs, like, or many individuals like Pharaoh in our day and age now. Who is the Lord that I should obey his voice? I don't believe the word of God. I have no interest in the word of God. I have no interest in my creator. Well, Pharaoh was like that. Who is the Lord that I should obey his voice? So he obstructed the exodus. And then we looked at the, the, uh, how the Lord brought the plagues. And we looked a little bit at that last week about the various, the, the blood to water, the frogs, the lice, the flies, and so forth that God brought on the nation of Israel. Because why? Pharaoh, the one, can you imagine six feet of clay standing up and shaking his fist in the face of God? I will not let you go. God, though, said, I was pleased to, draw, to raise you up, Pharaoh, that my name might be known through all the earth. And so Pharaoh tried to obstruct it, but it came about. And we're going to, in our lesson, we're right in here uh, uh, when it's affected. The actual exodus is affected. Now, exodus, the name comes from the major event in the book. It's a Greek word used three times in the New Testament. And uh, Luke 9.31, you remember the Mount of Transfiguration. The Lord Jesus is revealed in all his glory. He's shown from the inside out. But who was with him? Moses and Elijah. And what were they talking about? Here was the Lord coming down, uh, as it were, and bringing the other two with him. And what were they talking about? They spoke of his exodus or his decease that he should accomplish. And it was a marvelous exodus, was it not, Right? Because the, that he spoke of the death that he would go out of this world on Calvary's cross. But he says later in John, I came forth from the Father and have come into the world. Again, I leave the world and go to the Father. So it was a marvelous exodus of the Lord Jesus. Not to mention the exodus of Moses and Elijah. Remember, Elijah exited out of this world 
and a chariot of fire. And then the word exodus, the Greek word exodus, is used in 2 Peter 1.15, where uh, Peter, the apostle Peter, labored that after his departing, that uh, what he said after his exodus, these things that he wrote to them might be known. And then Joseph, in, in Hebrews chapter 11, spoke before he died of the exodus of the children of Israel. Um, from the land, even though he was uh, king at that time and they were dwelling safely and so forth, but he spoke of the Exodus. Now, if we want to look at it simply, we, every time you see an exit sign, you might think of that because the Greek word is actually exodus and it's the road out. So the bulk of this lesson is the exiting of the children of e uh, uh, Israel out of Egypt and heading toward the promised land. Then Exodus is a nice sequel to Genesis. Not too many months ago, we finished Genesis. Uh, Genesis. In Genesis, God calls the patriarchs as individuals, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. In Exodus, it's not so much the patriarchs, but he calls a people to himself. In fact, we read in Exodus chapter 12, uh, for the very first time, the phrase, speak unto all the congregation of Israel. And that was a marvelous thing that God is going now to speak to a people that he calls the congregation of Israel. In Genesis, there's a promise. One man, Exodus, in Genesis chapter 12, received a promise. I will make of you a great nation. And then in Exodus, there's the fulfillment. Remember, Jacob and his family went down. Seventy came in. And over one million, maybe two million, came out. It says 600,000. We didn't read that verse but some 600,000 uh, besides women and children went out. So a remarkable fulfillment of what God had prophesied would come to pa pass. And then in Genesis, there's prophecy, and in Exodus, there's fulfillment. We won't take the time to look at that uh, too much right now. And I think for time's sake, we'll just skip by Ex Exodus 11 until tonight and go ahead and, and start on Exodus chapter number 12. And there's a little outline, if you're interested in outlines, about the Passover. This is a remarkable story, very remarkable story. And it's the, it comes at the close of the contest between the Lord and Pharaoh. Pharaoh, again, would deem to rise himself up, just like many individuals in our world, rise himself up, harden their hearts, steal their hearts against the living God, as if they could stand against their creator, and, uh, but this comes at the close. This is the last plague uh, that, that the Lord would bring on. And, and Exodus chapter 11 speaks about that. And then Exodus chapter, chapter 12, we see the instructions for the Passover. And what we see there is essentially that the Lord uh, uh, spoke to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt. This month shall be unto you the beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year to you. This issue or this, this matter of Passover brought new life as a nation to, uh, brought new life uh, to, as it were, to the nation. This month shall be the beginning of months for you. It's a wonderful thing when we see the, uh, the, as we understand the Passover, that they would be redeemed by blood and delivered out of bondage. And that's exactly what happens to an individual who trusts the Lord Jesus as Savior. That's what the Bible, you know, we say it every Sunday. Unless a person is born again, they will not see the kingdom of God. This month for the nation of Israel would be a, new, a beginning of months. They're, they're going to be a new nation. They're going to be redeemed by blood. They're going to be delivered from bondage. And you know, the Bible says that every one of us as individuals are born in sin. 
And, and there's, there's many uh, uh, analogies that we can find in the Passover lesson that apply to us as individuals. And we're going to see them, I trust, as time goes on. But this is one of them. A new nation, new life, because of what was going to be affected there. The Passover lamb would be slain. The Passover lamb became a substitute for the firstborn. And so they were delivered out, and this would be a new beginning for them. And then... Uh, they had to have this selection of the lamb. They had to have the scrutiny of, uh, scrutiny of the lamb, and then they had to have the sacrifice of the lamb. And there's a number of uh, bits of instruction that are given there uh, for that. Now, in verse number 11, I want, you to, want us to notice this is what they would do. They would eat it with their loins girded. The Passover lamb was not just to be sacrificed, but it was to be fed on, right? They weren't to eat it. Uh, raw, but they were to eat it roast with fire. Here's the thing. The lamb had to endure the flame, just like, just like at Calvary. The lamb had to endure the flame. In other words, the lamb was slain, the blood was applied, and then the people were to partake of that lamb. And it, what, notice what it's called in verse number, number 11. It is the Lord's Passover. It is the Lord's Passover. <clears throat> it is the Lord's Passover in the sense that he provided it as a rescue to deliver the nation of Israel, an institution to remember, because not only here are instructions given, but throughout the Old Testament. They were to look back. Every Jewish person, right, celebrates every year the Passover, right, when they look back and they can see how their nation was delivered. So it was an institution to remember, but it was also a powerful drama to display a far greater redemption that's available by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Again, there's many analogies that we can see here between the children of Israel and you and I that live in this ungodly world that are under the bondage of sin. And they had deliverance and we can have deliverance and praise God many that are here this morning have had that uh, deliverance affected by believing on the Lord Jesus Christ. So it is the Lord's Passover. And notice what the Lord says in verse number uh, 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 13. Let me go to the next slide. The Lord's Passover, the root word means to skip over, and that's seen in, in, uh, in verse number 13. Uh, when I see the blood, I will pass over you. Notice carefully as well in verse number 27 of chapter 12. It is the sacrifice of the Lord's Passover who passed over. The word passed, passed over is the root word of the Lord's Passover, and it means to skip over. So what was happening is the last plague, the Lord had said, I will go out. He says that earlier in the chapter. Well, it was chapter 11. We didn't look at that. But he said, I will go out. I will go out. This is remarkable that it wasn't, you know, Moses and Aaron performing those, those um, uh, bringing on the plagues through the Lord, of course, but this one seems to be something a little bit specific. It says, I will go out into the midst of the land of Egypt. And he says, now watch what he says in verse uh, uh, 13 there, when I see the blood, I will pass over you. So the, uh, the, the uh, plague was this, that every firstborn in the uh, uh, land of Egypt of every household would die unless, right, unless the blood was taken as prescribed by the Lord, the lamb was slain, and the blood was applied to the doorpost and to the lentil. And when the blood shall be to you for a token upon the houses where you are. The word is used of the feast itself, 
And it's also used of the victim. We refer to the Passover feast and we refer to the Passover lamb. But then we notice the New Testament commentary. If we were to turn, take the time to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 5, we would read there that the Apostle Paul is writing to a New Testament church and he's saying there in the, in the light of discipline and so forth that we are to uh, keep the feast of unleavened bread. Now, we didn't get to that yet. We will. Keep the feast of unleavened bread. Why? Because Christ our Passover is sacrificed for us. Now, you say, what does a bunch of, what does a church, way, you know, in Corinth have to do with something that was so long ago in the nation of Israel? Well, it's a wonderful truth. The, you know, sometimes we, we use the word type. In the, in the Old Testament, there's pictures or there's types of a far greater redemption, a far greater salvation available in the Lord Jesus. And so the, the New Testament commentary on our Old Testament lesson this morning of Exodus chapter 12 is this. Christ... Our Passover is sacrificed for us. So the question would go out to each of us this morning. Would we be delivered? Would we be protected if that plague came on you in the land? Would you have obeyed the Lord? Well, let's bring it up to date. How about now? There's a far greater judgment that is, that is pronounced upon every disobedient sinner under the sun. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The wages of sin is death. There is this judgment that is passed on every hell-deserving sinner, but there is a way of salvation. Christ, our Passover, is sacrificed for us. And it's remarkable when we think that the salvation of the individual in the household depended on what God saw. Listen to what he says, When I see the blood, I will pass over you. So as it were, when the Lord was going through the land of, of Egypt, he says, when I see the blood, I will pass over you. So their salvation, it depended on what God saw, but the assurance of their salvation, right? The assurance of their salvation depended on what God said. God saw the blood on the door, and so he passed over. But for the individual, they rested in his word. You know, one time, sometimes when you go to talk to individuals, you know, you say, well, I want to see God come down, and I want to see something. God has given us his word. If we can't believe God, God is not a man that he should lie, the scriptures say. Why can't we believe the word? Oh, but I don't believe that the word of God, I don't believe men have tampered with it, and, and it, it can't be, and it's, it, no. God has decreed it in his word. You know, one of the most solemn things I think there are in the Word of God, <clears throat> is when an individual passes out of this scene and stands before the judge of all the earth. Well, the Bible says it's appointed unto men once to die, and after this the judgment. Every individual will give an account of himself to God. But when an individual stands before the Lord, it says the books were open. Now I know... And we know from Scripture that God keeps accurate records of every individual. He sees the sparrow fall. He numbers the very hairs of our head. You know, we, we heard this morning about uh, the, the, uh, the, the individual that, 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 that uh, the IRS, you know, we realized he didn't pay a debt and it plagued him all these years. 
The Bible says that the sin in our heart, you know, we, it's a constant battle that we're, we're accusing or else excusing one another. It's an inward battle. But one day it's all going to be turned inside out and the books will be open. There'll be nowhere to hide. But one of the books I believe that will be opened is this very book because God's word says it. God's word, the word, that even, in fact, the Lord Jesus even said it, the words that I speak unto you will condemn you. Every individual is, 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 is welcome to either accept or reject God's word. And so when it comes to the Passover, their salvation depended on what God saw, but the assurance of their salvation depended on what God said. They knew that God said, when I see the blood. So they came and they, they slew the Passover of the lamb. They applied the blood and then they waited that night because it says at midnight, the Lord will go out and destroy the firstborn in every house. And in every house there would be one dead. But here the believing Israelite stood sheltered under the blood. Yes, the blood was applied, but the word of God was clear, right? They heard God's word. They heard and they believed God's word. And that's what it is for you and me, to hear the word of God and to believe the word of God, just simply as that. It's a wonderful thing to hear the word. They heard the voice of the Lord. It's a wonderful thing to us to see in the word of God that we can hear the voice of the Lord. But we notice also, and we touched a little bit on this last week, that when the Lord went out to destroy uh, in Egypt all the, the firstborn, unless the blood was applied, he also, in verse number 12, it says, he would, uh, he would, uh, this judgment had to do against all the gods of Egypt. Will I execute judgment? And we looked last week a little bit of it. There was a lot of gods in Egypt. They had a number of them. Ra, for one, sun god, right? And God caused darkness. They had a number of mother nature type deities. <laughs> That's, you know, we hear that today from mostly unbelievers. You know, talk, well, mother nature was kind to us today because, well, these are, you know, there are people that worship mother nature type deities. And Egypt was one of them. But God proved himself. Jethro, the father-in-law of Moses, later he says, I know that your God is greater than all the gods of the world because he has showed himself strong. And so God says, I will execute judgment upon all the gods of Egypt. You know, what a wonderful thing it is here. It really is an act of grace on God's part to demonstrate to Egypt that they worship false gods. Just a few weeks ago, we heard a, a remarkable testimony on a Wednesday night. And uh, it was uh, Suma's father that was here sharing. But one of the things most remarkable to me was after the meeting, his wife was able to share privately her testimony. I don't know what it's like, and I don't know if you know what it's like to be born into a dark land like, like that, like where, where, where Hinduism reigns. And one of the things that she said, oh, it's going to stick with me now for a while. Growing up from a child, she was taught to call upon these gods. They had a, here a god, there a god, everywhere a god. You know, they, they could call on any god they wanted to. But they were serious. That was their gods. But there came a point in her life when she fell sick. And there was nobody in the house. Her husband was gone. Her daughter's children were gone all by herself. And she began to call on these gods. 
This is real life. Real life. But here in America, we, we say we're not, we're not like that in the dark lands of heathenism. But she was calling on their gods. And they wouldn't answer. They didn't answer. And she was getting frustrated. But all along before that, her daughter, Suma and others, reading the New Testament, introducing her to the true and the living God. And there was a battle going on right there in that little house for her soul. And guess who won? The Lord won because he revealed himself to her. Her gods wouldn't answer her, she said. She said that they would go through these rituals. Women going to, to, these, to these temples to shave all their hair off for their god. And now her god wouldn't answer her. But the living God will. The living God revealed himself to her, and she, by the grace of God, was born again and trusted the living God. And so what an act of grace it was upon, by God to, to bring judgment on all the gods of Egypt so that they might see that there is one greater, there is one true and living far greater than their false gods. And then one more point before we close. The Passover is always linked with the Feast of Unleavened Bread. Seven days you shall eat unleavened bread, verse 15. So they had the lamb in, as it were, to feed upon the lamb, to put the blood on the doorpost, but the leaven had to go out. What is leaven? Yeast. We'll probably touch on that tonight, All the, uh, or, or something about what leaven is in Scripture. But here, the literal leaven had to be put out. Now, later we see it's a picture of evil or sin. But what a wonderful thing that they were to put away the evil, yes, but they were to feed upon the lamb. Now, I wonder what your position in mine is this morning as we keep, as it were, keep the feast of unleavened bread. As Christians living a life that will please the Lord, are we feeding on the lamb? In the midst of trying to memorize John 6, tough verses, where the Lord Jesus said, He that eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood has no life. Tough verses, but we know that they're there. Our Lord said them for a reason. But we need, as Christians, to feed on the Lord. But as we bring our lesson to a close, I want to actually close with a a statement and two questions <clears throat> for you Bible scholars. We didn't touch on it too much, but I think we touched on it enough that the Passover provided deliverance for Israel's firstborn. Right? The firstborn, if they wanted their firstborn to live, they'd have to hear the Lord's word and do the Lord's word. Now, my question is, you can... Think about it. Maybe if you have an answer, uh, tell me, tell others. Was deliverance from the judgment on the firstborn available to the Egyptians also? But more importantly, is Christ your Passover? Two questions. 
Did God make that salvation, that deliverance available? I think I know an answer, but I'd like to hear yours. But I think more important than that is Christ your Passover. Are you sheltered under the shed blood of the Lord Jesus? Do you not only know the deliverance <clears throat> from the bondage of sin, but are you feeding on the Lamb? There's many an individual, quote, Christian, that would, oh yeah, that's me. I believed on Christ. But there's very little evidence, no feeding, no fruit. Is Christ your Passover? If he is, all this would follow suit, right? There would be this desire to put leaven out of the life, to put sin out of the life, and not practice things that are displeasing to the Lord. So is Christ your Passover? One thing I do know, I don't know, we're going to leave it as a question, if deliverance was available to everyone, Egypt also, but I do know that the salvation of God has appeared to all men, right? This salvation that is far greater, of which this is a picture of, is available to every individual in the world. God shows no favorites. It's unto all, says Romans 3, and upon all them that believe. This wonderful salvation, of which this is a picture, I understand by the grace of God and by the word of God that I am a sinner and I deserve the judgment of the living God for my sin. I understand that. But I also understand that God has sent a substitute, the Lord Jesus Christ, the sinless Savior, because the sinless Savior died. My sinful soul is counted free. For God the just is satisfied to look on Christ and pardon me. What kind of... You can't get anything better than that. The sinless Savior dying in my place. It's remarkable, but it's available to every individual to receive that salvation and then to feed on the Lamb. The Lamb in, the leaven out. May it be so in your life and mine as Christ, your Passover. Now tonight, in the will of the Lord, we'll probably take up a little more. We didn't look at chapter 11, and we didn't look at a lot of chapter 12 for time's sake, but encourage everybody to come back and finish the lesson tonight. Maybe one of the uh, brethren would close our meeting in a word of prayer.